I want to do a quick. I'm not a sports fan, but I want to do a quick uh, cheers to um, the Bryant family oh, with an incredibly Kobe. horrible uh, tragedy that happened Kobe. the other day. Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and I think seven other passengers mm-hmm. had perished in a uh, in a horrific helicopter crash. And like I said, I'm not a sports fan. I didn't really know much about anything uh, regarding Kobe uh, besides just his name and and that he played for the Lakers. Um, but in the last couple of days, seeing people's posts and seeing people talk about him and, and videos of past interviews and stuff like that, the guy looks and sounds like a really stand-up dude. He was super humble. He was a great father from all accounts. Uh, he loved his four daughters, and it was it's just awful that uh, that he was taken at 41. So um, yep. this isn't a sports podcast, but I did want to pay my he respects. He was as old as I am. Yeah. yeah, it's weird, huh? It is weird. It is and weird. Uh, it's even weirder that some people just – they can't let go of their hatred, you know, mm-hmm. like, 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 like the, this huge tragedy. And some people are out there, you know, posting such terrible things about him. And it's just like, dude, yeah, you know? not, it's not the time. It's no. so it's so unhuman. To you know, when, do something when, like that for me, it's weird because, you know, once in a while you get this generational. Unfortunate demise of somebody, the John Lennon, mm-hmm. the, the Elvis or, or whatever. This 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 is up there like that especially in the sports world. I watch sports TV. I watch it every day before I go to work. It's part of my routine. And when you see all these guys that come on these national television shows and to the man the last couple of days, every single one of them are breaking down and crying yeah. on national TV. It's hard to watch, but that shows you how big of a guy, how important he was to yeah. people. And you know, like, and I heard, I haven't seen it yet, but I understand Shaq's thing last night was mm-hmm. something else to behold. And, and, um, yeah, man, it's big. It's, it sucks. Yeah, and, you, know, you know, there's like a whole subsection of people out there that the more beloved and successful you are, the more they want to tear you down. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand that, you know, yeah. it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like the whole thing that Evan Rachel Wood did, oh, that was uh, the, yeah. the whole backhanded, like, Disgusting. like, yeah. uh, sympathy thing that she did it was just like like you know okay if you really believe that wait until they've buried the bodies you know or something show some respect to the family yeah i mean and he has how a, long ago was that that was, was like, like 17 years 17, ago 17 years ago yeah it it's, was it, and it was completely false too i don't i didn't follow it so i don't know what it was one of those things where a girl accused a sports star of raping her and there was no basis to it at all he settled it in he a settled, civil court, right? Out court, yeah, he yeah. settled out of court. I mean, that is not, that's not even the point of this this cold opening. I just wanted to to give some respect to the family and to him and to sports fans around the world uh, that might be listening to this podcast. Um, just to you know, raise a glass, pour one out yeah. for Kobe Bryant and the and the passengers on that. You know, having lived in L.A. and uh, in Hollywood, uh, Kobe was like, you know, he was like a god amongst men mm-hmm. out there. Like everyone loved him. Five-time champion, the only guard to play with one team for 20 years. You know, I don't quit. I'm mean, I keep pushing and pushing and pushing to see if I can figure this damn thing out. That's who I am, and I'll try my best, and I'll keep on, keep on going. Man. My brain. It cannot process failure. It will not process failure. I love what I do. 
You know, it's as simple as that. I get so much enjoyment from it. Once I made that commitment and said I want to be one of the greatest ever, then the game became everything for me. I knew that I was not going to be stopped. So at the age of 18, this was my life. So you can't possibly become better than me because you're not spending the time on it that I do. Even if you want to spend the time on it, you can't because you have other things. You have other responsibilities that are taking you away from it. So I already won. It's a lifestyle. It's a full-time commitment. You make a choice and say, come hella hot water, I'm going to be this. Then you should not be surprised when you are that. When we say this cannot be accomplished, this cannot be done, then we are shortchanging ourselves. When you try hard enough, dare enough, trust yourself enough, you will always go further. I think everybody is born with creativity, but I believe it's the trust and yourself and trusting your emotions to, to talk to yourself, so to speak, to become your own psychologist, to let your emotions out on a piece of paper, to not be afraid of anything, not be afraid of what people think, not be afraid of what people may say, and just be yourself. Welcome back to another episode of the Salty Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, the Salty Nerd, and today we are going to be discussing the Obi-Wan Kenobi delay, the Taika Waititi possible Star Wars movie with Kevin Feige, Colin Trevorrow's Episode Nine script and concept art, and Jurassic World possible hinted title, and also we're going to be discussing the Picard Episode 1 and Outsider and Avenue 5 HBO TV shows recaps for the last couple episodes. Hold on. What's up? <laughs> You did not say the Royal Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> we already covered the sports. The Royal Rumble was this weekend. What and, is the Royal Rumble? <laughs> oh, my God. We've also got the Super Bowl coming up. I didn't even watch Avenue 5. You didn't? Oh, it sucks. Oh. There, I'm done talking about it. <laughs> okay. We can change. We can do something else now. I am joined <laughs> by the master of all nerds and the salty one himself, Matt Vader, 74. Matt, Good morning, definitely Matt. getting more salty he as is. the podcast. Am I getting, am I getting more salty? <laughs> yeah. Alex has been a bad influence I on have. Me. But he's not ever salty. He's like, okay, guys, we got to keep it positive and we got to like be... You know, really cool and stuff on here, and don't be such, don't be dicks all the time. It's like, it's like all right. Alex Vader is going to steal your your title. He is. He's yeah. going to steal. It's uh, like and he asked me, well, "What do you think about this?" I'm like, oh, it's stupid. It's it dumb. sucks. You That's know, your so thing though. I'm not, watching, I'm not watching it anymore. Figure something else off. Listeners it love you for that. <laughs> they love it. I'm also joined today by the king of incels himself, <laughs> Matthew my, my new title. Matthew Kadish, author of the Earthman Jack saga uh, on Amazon. You're going to have to ask Jude about that title. <laughs> it might be false. Next time she's on the show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So how was your weekend? <laughs> it was interesting. Yeah. I had an emergency with my dog. I had to take care of her. And uh, then uh, Twitter um, made me famous. So 
I'm just, pretty I'm good. just happy to be able to sit in the same room with you. <laughs> yeah, you, you got you guys should bow before me because you're in the you're in the presence of celebrity. Oh my god, I am internet famous. You're, you have you're a an you influencer. Have an, you have an article about. I am an influencer. Yes. You have an article on the Mary Sue about you. I know, right? <laughs> an article that doesn't mention me at all, <laughs> except to say middle-aged white man. <laughs> They're afraid to t- say your name. I think they didn't want to give the tweet any public. I was actually glad that they didn't uh, quote the tweet though. Yeah, I'm sure. But uh, there have been a couple other news outlets, and I use that term loosely. Yeah, that uh, you know, have done articles on it. Basically, yeah, like twelve readers, <laughs> yeah. basically blogs. Yeah, and it's one, of, and they're all these articles where they just quote other people's tweets. It's like the most, you know, or the least effort put into any type of writing. Your itchy wannabes. Yeah, yeah. I was well, say, well like, actually, I didn't want to like. I didn't want to down the guy, but isn't that exactly what Itchy does? He just quotes people's tweets. Yeah, but people actually read his stuff. <laughs> well, he, he he actually writes writes some stuff to to go with. Him. Like I clicked on one of his articles the other day, and it was literally just one quote tweet and then a snarky remark, and I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> well, that's what bloggers usually do. Yeah. But like, if you're running an actual news site, and all you're doing is reposting other people's tweets, that's just lazy. Yeah. Well, shout out to Itchy Baka. He, uh, I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but he responded to your tweet, so that was cool. Well, he he follows me because I'm an influencer and I'm famous. So. <laughs> That's right. You just start charging for your tweets. It's like, you want me to say something cool about you? Yeah. Five bucks. <laughs> Alex used to be in my exclusive uh, high-profile oh. Twitter DM room. He couldn't hang. Yes. He, had, he had to leave. My IQ. He was, he was too positive. My IQ was <laughs> too positive for wasn't salty yeah. enough. <laughs> my IQ was actively dropping as I would read posts inside. Oh, that. God. I was like, okay, this, I can't, I no, can't do no this No accounting anymore. for taste. I can't do this anymore. Because every time I would say something back, they were like, I'm like, well, excuse me for having an opinion. I'll just leave. Anyway. Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. When the global supply chain is strained, one essential transportation network continues to keep the economy connected 24-7. That network is Freight Rail. We're increasing hiring and capacity, all while investing more than $20 billion per year into our network to improve reliability every day. We never stop working to better serve our customers because Freight Rail works. I'm going to get so many hate messages now. <laughs> uh, today's uh, first topic, we're going to be discussing the Obi-Wan Kenobi fiasco behind the scenes at Lucasfilm. Once again, Kathleen Kennedy strikes down the writer's room. <laughs> and so this is, I mean, I'll, uh, Kadish is usually better at this kind of stuff, but I'll kind of explain what happened. So Kenobi was announced at Celebration. They had Ewan McGregor on, screen, on scene. Uh, he came up onto this onto the stage and was talking to all the fans about the, the how great it was to be back. And Kathleen Kennedy said, and I quote, all the scripts are done and we are ready to go. Yep. And people were insanely excited. He is, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Ewan McGregor is probably one of the favorite characters across the board for all Star Wars fans. Regardless of whether you like the prequels or you don't, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor, top notch in those three movies. 
and uh, to have him back and to have his story be told uh, while he's on Tatooine looking over Luke Skywalker is like one of the big things. We had a novel written about it that was really good in my opinion. And uh, people were super excited to have him back on on, on screen again, uh, potentially, and on Disney+. And then uh, we get this news that there's some drama behind the scenes. And people start talking on Twitter like, yeah, we've heard there's rumblings about uh, delay. And then we find out later on that the show has been cut down from like eight episodes to four. And, and it's all cra- it's It's once again, it's, it's Kathleen Kennedy, like I said, doing her thing where... We've seen her fire people 60% of the way done through Solo with uh, Lord Miller. We saw her fire Ka- uh, Colin Trevorrow for Episode 9. We see her do complete reshoots and rewrites on Rogue One. It's every single time. The only people that she doesn't do this with is Ryan Johnson. <laughs> and his movie was arguably the worst one that's been out so far. Well, that's why she liked working with him. Is because he, just, he didn't cause any trouble for her. He just her. didn't argue at all. He was like, eh, whatever, we'll just do this. Well, no, he brought in a movie on time, on budget. With, with no production disasters that she had to deal with. And that's why she wanted to do a trilogy with him because <laughs> she made her job easy. She had a disaster she had to deal with after the movie came out. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's been dealing with it for the last two years. Um, so I don't know. Okay. So that's, that's the one side of the story. The other side of the story is um, what Ewan McGregor has said in an interview. It was kind of off the cuff. So I'm not, I don't feel like it was like orchestrated to try and calm people down. Cause it felt like he was being pretty honest. So he said, and I'll, let me just quote it. Cause I have it on my, on my Instagram feed, uh, what he said exactly, which he seems to think that this is all overblown and none of it is of concern. Yeah, to him, it's just a production delay. Like instead of it coming out this year, it's going to come out next year. Salty Nerd Podcast. I just got a message from Instagram. It says, we have removed or disabled access to content that you posted on Instagram because third party reported that (laughs) the content infringes or otherwise violates their rights. On Instagram? Yeah. Okay. I don't, I've never experienced this before. Facebook Junior. I acknowledge. What did you post? I posted the last thing. Oh. I posted the um, the title card for Dune. Oh, well, yeah. The, the guy that put it up originally got striked down, too. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. did mine. That just means it was right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why, if it gets out, like, oh, whatever. Anyway, okay. So, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ewan McGregor's quote is, it just slipped to next year. That's all. Um, I think that now that episode nine came out and everyone at Lucasfilms got more time to look and spend on the writing, they felt like they wanted more time to write the episodes. I read about 80 or 90% of what they've written so far, and it's really, really good. And instead of shooting this August, they just wanted to start shooting in January. That's all. It's nothing more dramatic than that. It often happens in projects. They just wanted to push it to next year. Sounds so all perfectly reasonable to me. So, yeah, let me get your opinion. Do you think that's true or do you think he's uh, he's just not entirely in the I loop? think he's kind of towing the line a little bit, but I think it's uh, it's true probably for the most part. I mean, I mean I, I'm not an industry insider professional by any means, but I, uh, I do understand that these things happen often, right? Matt, you know, so yeah. you know, okay, maybe not. I don't know, but uh, well, once again, you know, it's Kathy. Kathy Kennedy is just the question is riling why? everybody up. Is this like it's like why say that they're ready to go with this show? Yeah, exactly. And then do this. You're at celebration and you tell everybody, announce it to the world, like, hey, we're ready to roll. The scripts are done. And then a couple months later, you're like, oh, never mind. Let's I mean, you, you know, you, you, we all understand though. 
this series has to be a hit. Oh, it has to be. It has to be. If a they hit. screw up Kenobi, it's over. Like for they, sure, they, they're all people who love the Last Jedi are already pissed off because of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So now, if they screw up Kenobi, which everybody loves, I mean, it's gonna I be think, rough. I man. think as far as me, it's like I can take this this last trilogy they made and kind of push it to the side and pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. And I could care less if I ever watched any of them again. Yeah. The days I have left. But uh, <laughs> one foot. In if, if if you take Kenobi, if you take one of our classic characters. And if you, um, I'm going to cuss here. If you come up, you're, it's over. Yeah. It's, you can't, it's, you don't you mess. You can't, you can't. You don't you mess Obi-Wan Kenobi up. No, you just can't. Yeah. And it has to be right. So, so do you if think it takes it, another six months, I guess it takes another six months. Yeah. You think it's a good thing that, okay, like if you're going to rewrite it, at least, you know, take the time to make sure it's right. Is that your perspective? I guess, I guess, I guess it is, but you know. It's just it just seems like it's just more more drama. More Kathleen Kennedy nonsense. It's yeah. like how many directors and stuff and writers and producers are they gonna go through with this show before they destroy I, I, it? I hope they keep Deborah Chow around for director. She's uh she's been pretty good so far oh, on she's Mandalorian. Under contract. She's probably not going anywhere. That's good. All right, Kadish, what's your uh, what's your take on this situation? Uh this was you know you know, my main defense of Kathleen Kennedy has always been that she's a terrible executive, but she was a good logistical producer. And I'm starting to question that at this <laughs> point because I mean, so first of all, uh, they had always planned to do, uh, an Obi-Wan movie, standalone movie, mm. uh, going back to when they were, you know, green lighting rogue one and, uh, uh, solo and a bunch of you know a potential boba fett movie and stuff like that so they actually had scripts worked up for the obi-wan movie and it was a proposed trilogy that they were going to do and uh those scripts kind of sat in limbo after they abandoned that um star wars story um uh, strategy mm-hmm. after solo bombed and basically when it came time to you know get content for disney plus they just were like hey we have these movie scripts sitting around let's convert them into a tv show and so that was how the obi-wan tv show came about and there was a lot of negotiating with ewan mcgregor's people and once they were able to get him to sign on uh it was like full steam ahead and alex you recapped about how they made that announcement at uh at uh disney celebration is that what it's called d23 d23 yeah in anaheim uh, because they were conspicuously absent at Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Disney's any, Disney's trying to do their own thing. Like they want to make yeah. D twenty three as big or one of the bigger things. Yeah. They have plenty of properties to do it with. So, so. they they made this big announcement. Kathleen Kennedy had that famous saying: "The scripts are already written." Mm-hmm. And now um, it gets to the point where uh, they're going into production, and they put it on hold. They just put a stop to it because Kathleen Kennedy says that they need to. Uh, revisit the scripts and there's been a lot of rumors flying around about how they're going to cut back from a proposed six hour runtime of the series to four hours which is basically like two movies yeah at that that point why why make it a a tv show yep but um in addition to that um there was another rumor that was saying that the main story plot was too similar to what the mandalorian did i heard that too with obi-wan finding like 
someone that was in distress and taking them under his wing and protecting him and stuff. And so they were worried that it was just going to feel recycled, which after the J.J. Abrams trilogy, you're wondering why that's a problem for them. Um, so, so basically, she she puts the brakes on and says, okay, we need to go back and retool these scripts. And a part of me respects that because the biggest problem with Disney Star Wars has always been the writing. Mm-hmm. But another part of me is like, like, wow, what a colossal F up. You know, like when you're dealing with any production, whether it be movies or TV, um, you have to take into account scheduling. So it's not just about the locations and the crew that you're hiring to come on board and shoot this stuff, but the actor schedules as well. Like Ewan McGregor is a huge movie star. Yeah. And so to have him carve out time in his schedule, that's time that he could be spent doing other stuff. And usually big actors like him get booked in lots of different things. Like he just mm-hmm. did Dr. Sleep not too long ago. Mm-hmm. He's in of Prey. Yeah. And so you've got these windows of time where these actors are free to do these projects. And if you all of a sudden say, oh, we can't meet that that window, those actors then go off to do other things. And then you're stuck trying to reschedule that stuff and get everyone, not only the cast, but the crew as well, uh, back on a, on a schedule. And that that's a lot of time and money wasted uh, to do this. So th- th- this is part of Kathleen Kennedy's pattern of production troubles in the sense that she ends up going way over budget because she doesn't do the proper legwork leading up to it. And it's just par for the course for her tenure as leader of Lucasfilm. And I can't see how Disney can continue to justify her employment there because she's cost them so much money. It's like my understanding is, is that this was really kind of a last minute thing. And they had the full production crew at Pinewood and they were ramping up and they just sent them all home. Well, I heard that, that too. But here's the thing, though, is like production isn't supposed to start until August, like Ewan McGregor yeah, said. Yeah, but there's so, all the set builders and yeah, set all builders, the, costume designers. Well, like, like there's the a lot stuff. of departments that get together to They just don't do this stuff, stuff overnight. Man. A year ahead of time? You think it's that soon? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, if you look at the Mandalorian, some of their behind-the-scenes set stuff, they use that like LCD screen technology, and they don't. the only thing they have is like one small area that's actual set, and the rest of it's just made digitally so i I don't know if there's but yeah i mean they're not building like you have lots of lots of logistical departments like you know people who go scout locations people who uh you you know um uh screen extras you know uh, costume designs uh you know there's just there's a lot of of setup that goes into actual production yeah um you have to reserve the sound stages you have to you know build what you need to build in them um so i mean just uh, you know, I heard the same thing Matt did, which was that the Pinewood Studios crew was gearing up for this production and it just kind of, you know, uh, had the brakes put on it really quickly. But the biggest thing is that all the news coverage of this is always, it, it all reports that it's been indefinitely suspended. Like, yeah, Ewan McGregor was the first one to say, oh, it just got pushed back a year. But Lucasfilm has not come out and specifically said that. That's just what he's guessing. Like un- until these scripts get fixed, you know, it could be two years, three years. I mean, like we don't know. Yeah, I've heard three different rumors. I heard the one that Ewan McGregor said where it's been pushed back a couple of months on production. The other one is it's been de- like delayed indefinitely. And then the other one is that they're just going to make it into a movie. I've heard three different versions, and they're, they're not going to make it into a movie. They need I'm content just, for Disney Plus. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like there was a there was a guy on Twitter, um, Jordan something. He's some kind of an insider for Lucasfilm that he said he heard that they were going to 
if they're going to make it into four episodes, they might, they might just turn it into a movie. That's that's ridiculous. Four episodes. I, I mean, hope it's, it's yeah. a four it's half a, hour episode. Yeah, <laughs> this is a series for a, for a streaming service. You know, that's that was the one. Crick, was the the one uh, critique thing? What, I, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to edit no, this part. Out. Fine. <laughs> the, that's that's the one issue I had with uh, with with. Fuck, I cannot with the talk. <laughs> that with, is the one issue I had with the Mandalorian. Was the short episode? Was the short episodes. Yeah. And, you know, it was good enough to where I could overlook it. But, man, these, if they're going to give us another show like Kenobi with four 35, 40 minute long episodes, nobody's going to be happy with that. They, they need to have eight to 10, 12 episodes yeah. of, a, of a series. Yeah. And keep in mind that they're, are, they're competing with The Witcher. Yeah. Which people almost across the board is, are pretty happy with. And then they're also competing with what HBO is putting out with like The Outsider and so I mean, It's different mm-hmm. genres, but it's still like this is what streaming services are expected well, the, the, to put out. The level out. of original content that these other um, streaming services are putting out. Like I've had Disney Plus. It's like I've only watched The Mandalorian on it. I want to cancel it because there's nothing on there yeah. that I yeah. want to see. For right me now. personally, there's like, n- there's nothing on there except for my kids' content. The, the, I, I the only reason watch. that we – I keep Disney plus right now is for my grandkids. Yeah. And to be honest, they have every single thing. It's on Disney plus <laughs> on, DVD. on DVD or video. Yeah. yeah. Like so all, there's my, no reason my Amazon it. account has yeah. all the Disney stuff. My, my kid doesn't even like Disney. He likes Paw Patrol. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like, it's, it's like, I don't know why I, I should keep it around. It, it's going to be one of those things like CBS all access where when they come out with new stuff, I'll resubscribe and watch it and then cancel. I yeah. thought I was going to get rid of a uh, Apple TV. Apple I did. Plus. I canceled it. <laughs> and I go, but my wife won't let me because she's watching some show on there now. Oh, yeah. And she was giving me crap about turning it on. So I go, I want to watch this, Jason, this stupid Jason Momoa show. <laughs> you know, at least uh, one thing I can say about Apple TV is that at least they're putting out like back to back original series. So yeah. there's reasons to yeah. stick around. If you, with yeah. That. If you're into it, if you like Shyamalan, Shyamalan's Servant, what was well, it called? Uh, it was called Servant, Servant but yeah. th- there's also uh, For All Mankind, which is a Ronald D. Moore show. Yeah, I'll probably uh, check it out. You know, from you know Star Trek pedigree. Um, you've also got uh, the, the morning show. Um, you've got <laughs> C. Uh, they've got stuff in the pipeline that's coming out. So like they're they're doing a pretty good job of you know putting out good original content or at least content that's interestingly that looks interesting enough yeah. for you enough to, to see. justify but, six dollars. But, yeah, but in the end, though, I mean, Kenobi has to hit the mark. Yeah. They can't do it with four short episodes. It can't happen. And because nobody's going to be happy with that. No. no. Yeah. It's just, like, like four hours of Kenobi at a half hour an episode. You know, that's that, that's what. Like, I hope it's not no. a half hour. It's got to be 45 minutes plus. You know what? You know what are half hour shows? Sitcoms. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like I can understand so, with Star Wars special effects that the episodes get so expensive that they have to cut them down to like a half hour. But at the same time, yeah, it's like that's that's you, bullshit. You know, man. you you could look at some of Netflix's shows where they, oh, yeah, like like, um, like Altered Carbon, great that, show. Yeah, that was like a full blown hour long drama that was full sci fi. It had some yeah. special effects that were up there with like Blade Runner, and and you're like, yeah, why can't Disney do that? And they can. Yeah, they can. There's no reason why they can't. In today's day and age, with the new technology, especially John Chira- uh, uh, John Favreau is using, I mean that that like LCD screen technology that they use on Mandalorian is incredible. See, and, and that's also part of the problem, I think, is because we as the consumers we expect more now. We expect altered carbon level 
effects and story with our Star yeah. Wars. And I mean, sh- and I think we should. For I think last, we have a right to expect that. For the almost well, yeah. how long was Game of Thrones on? Ten years? Yeah. Eight. Eight years, eight, yeah, like nine. for the last eight years or so, we've had Game of Thrones level like quality out of TV shows, and yep. at, oh, at the bar I, I would, is raised. I wouldn't say quality and Game of Thrones in the same sentence. Oh, don't be so salty! <laughs> it was a good show until like the oh, last. Hey, couple I'm levels. the salty one. Okay, <laughs> bow to your insult. Yeah. Season eight <laughs> sucked, man. It was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible, dude, dude. Everything after season four. Okay, yeah. Sucked. The the yeah. only. I liked season five and six, but that's besides the point. Um, the, uh, the the best episode of, of season eight is um, uh, Night of the Seven Kingdoms, where they, they knighted Brienne. That whole episode was amazing. I loved it. I loved was that the, the, the interac- second episode. Yeah, yeah. When they were all just kind of like hanging Hang out, the calm yeah. before the storm. Like I love that episode. It was so good. That's not the type of episode you want to put into a six episode season. Though. No. There was too much that they had to do. I agree. I agree. I'm just saying that that episode for me is is top like, honestly they should have that. had like two three more seasons yeah. to that. Money is the number one cause of stress and the number two cause of divorce. Make your money go further and work harder with a certified financial planner from Facet Wealth. Financial planning used to focus on retirement, but Facet helps you with today. You get a dedicated financial planner that guides you through every financial decision. Inflation, interest rates, stock market changes, home prices. How do you figure it all out? Well, every advisor at Facet is a certified financial planner and fiduciary. That's just a fancy way to say they have the best training, and they're legally bound to do what's in your best interest. This isn't just about investments. It's about taking care of your money so you can start living a better life today. Facet has a simple flat fee, no hidden charges, and with nothing to sell, there are no commissions. Visit TryFacetWealth.com for two months free off your first year of financial planning. That's T-R-Y-F-A-C-E-T Wealth.com. Facet Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. I'm out of my... You're out of your urine that you're drinking? Yeah. <laughs> what was that? It was just turmeric and milk. God, you're so weird. <laughs> yep. Yellow milk. Yellow milk. Which uh, was which, coconut, which, which which space otter did you milk the titty of <laughs> yeah. to get that? We're, 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 we're going to post that picture, and I'm going to say, guess what's in the cup, and then they'll have to listen to the episode at least to hear to get the answer. Yeah, you know? well, hey, that's how this all so. started. Jude was like, she DM'd me on Instagram or something. She's like, we need to make your drink thing like a legit. <laughs> so long story short, Obi Wan is a disaster cluster F. <laughs> Uh, that Kathleen Kennedy is responsible oh, for. Man. How many more strikes do you think she's going to get before they're like? I, I've said from the beginning, there's <laughs> nothing she can do to get herself fired. Nothing. Yeah. It she, seems the, that the way. The only way she's going to leave that position is if, she one, she either dies, <laughs> or two, she just gets bored and wants to step down. I'm not going to make any comments right <laughs> now. <laughs> Other than that, she's never getting fired. She's never <laughs> getting removed. So we just have to continue with this nonsense for, yeah. And you know, it's funny because I was listening to um, a YouTube video and they were talking about this subject and they were like, they were talking about who suffers in this situation more. And they were like, well, the fans suffer. And I'm like, do we though? 
Yes. Like we don't get it. Like we don't get the content that they're talking about like right now or, or when it's on schedule, but we'll get it eventually. So if it's like, if it just doesn't exist, then but the in content my opinion, we eventually get is terrible. Oh, it, granted that it might be true in some cases, but like in my opinion, like if we don't get the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, that just means we don't get a f-ed up version of Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> you know? So if they cancel it completely, it's like, yeah, it's a missed opportunity and it's a real super bummer, but at least they didn't, screw it up. I mean, granted, I would rather not get a Kenobi series if it's going to be bad. I yeah. just, I just, that's I don't want to see That's all I'm saying. But, but I don't want to see the, it. The whole thing is, is, is that, you know, as, if there were competent people running the studio, we'd be getting consistent amounts of good Star Wars content. Mm-hmm. If you look at the comic books, if you look at the novels, if you look at the movies, and even to a certain oh extent, God. the TV shows, they've all been pretty bad can you imagine yeah. if they just repurposed the thrawn trilogy as like a total series and did like six I, I, five, I, that, that should have been seasons. that should have been seven eight nine yes. i think they should do what they did in 2015 which is decanonize all the crap that came out um you know <laughs> since the force awakens and just re, reboot it if they yeah if they, never start they, over. if they can decanonize the eu if they can decanonize the EU, they can absolutely. It's never going to happen. Dude, it won't happen. It's no. never going to happen. That is a pipe just, dream. You know, you know how the EU is now legends, and it's like yeah. just make this mythos yeah. and, 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 and start over for God's sake. The Phantom because Star this, Wars, the Phantom Zone. Yeah, because yeah. this stuff is terrible. It's just on every level, it's awful. And plus, you've got all these contradictions going on between uh, the comic books and the books. Where, like, you know, I think there was this uh, Itchy Baka posted this. Uh, uh, panel from a cart from a comic book where it said you know where it clearly established that palpatine had no sons or heirs and it, and it, it's like wait a minute it was in the disney era <laughs> yeah it, it was like a couple months before the movies oh came God, out that's hilarious and it's like like lucasfilm doesn't know what its other departments are yeah, doing the left hand doesn't know what the like right the whole doing. point of the story group was to try to keep continuity like throughout the movies and it's like they're not even reading these comics I, I don't think the story group exists anymore it's just Pablo Hidalgo. Pablo's gone. He's off Twitter. He's gone. Dude. You don't think he works at Lucasfilm anymore? I don't even think he works at Lucasfilm anymore. I'm completely just speculating. He probably <laughs> does. But in my mind, he's gone. Yeah. He, he doesn't not, interact with anybody anymore. He's not. Because all he did was troll people. That's true. But that was kind of what he did. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a couple of months Kadish before. Anyway. <laughs> then a couple of months before this abomination of a movie came out, he just disappeared. Because yeah. he knew it was going to be bad. It's possible. And I kind of think he either quit or got fired. I mean, probably not, but I don't know. I have no idea. You don't see a lot of stuff from the other uh, story group people out the, there either. The Lucasfilm crew, who's who's who kind of like started this blood feud between fans and Lucasfilm. Yeah, they've been quite quiet. Recently. I don't think J.J. Abrams gives two craps about what the story group has to say about much of anything. No, I doubt it. So I think they maybe they said, well, if JJ's going to make this movie, I guess they don't need us anymore. So <laughs> whatever, let's go stroke KK for a little while and <laughs> collect our paycheck. I, so. I feel like the story group was just a excuse for diversity hires and yeah. Lucasfilm. Like that's all it seemed to be. I mean, their job literally is to make sure that the continuity between all realms, comic book, novels, movies, TV shows, like that was their job to make sure everything kind of lined up. And they just and they hired people who knew nothing about Star Wars to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they hired people that like to dress up and you know cosplay, slavely outfits, and be dragged around by their wives and oh my the collar. God. No, he doesn't work for Lucasfilm. I'm not even. 
I'm gonna pull what the what they pull on Kadesh. I'm not even gonna mention his name. <laughs> I'm not gonna say his name. <laughs> he who shall not be named. Lord of the soy. Oh, Lord God. of the soy. That picture was so cringy. Oh, it was awful. Speaking of story groups and Lucasfilm and Star Wars, let's talk about Colin Trevorrow's episode nine. Oh wow. Yes. Okay. Finally. Finally. I know. God, I've been we're, okay. We're talking about a lot of Star Wars today. This it's is a lot of Star Wars. It's kind of fun. I like okay, it. Okay, so the, let me explain to the listeners why I've been not wanting to talk about this. So w- before you say that, though, okay, me and Matt have been on your case <laughs> since this broke. Be like, hey, let's talk about that's fake. Oh, that's fake news. Crap. Yeah. It's yeah. not real. Yeah, my, my boyfriend Trevor would never do that. <laughs> Trevor. Then, His then, like Trevor. Then, then Trevor has to, you know, <laughs> Trevaro. So, yeah, man, it's true. It's Your other true. boyfriend, Trevor. <laughs> and Salty okay. gets a direct line yeah. Twitter. Boom. From Trevor. My boy he's, Colin. He's commented on my post. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> Two times. He's your boyfriend. Two so. times. He's awesome. He's a great fan, you know, ambassador. He's really cool. So the reason why I uh, I didn't want to talk about the Colin Trevaro leaked thing was, A, at, at the very beginning, I wasn't 100% uh, convinced that it was real. I thought it was just some Reddit, you know, Twitter post that was posting things that they knew everybody would want. Like anybody who didn't like the Rise of Skywalker, this is what they really wanted. So I'm going to post this random like bullcrap fan fiction script. And uh, and then we got the concept art. And then Colin Trevorrow said that, yes, the title was, you know, Duel of the Fates and all this stuff. And I'm like, that's a freaking badass title. Uh, so it's, it's better it, than what we got. Yeah, it's better than what we got. It's It's actually a, a nice callback to, you know. The uh, uh, the Phantom Menace. I have a brings... feeling. I have a feeling they would have changed that title. You think so? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. That's a really it, good title because it is the same as the title of the song from the episode one. Yeah, that was a badass song. It's one of the best songs that that John Williams ever made. I agree. Anyway, um, so and then and then the second phase of not wanting to talk about it set in where I realized that it was all real, and I'm like, look, if I read this script and it's legit better than what we got, it's gonna piss me off mm-hmm. that we didn't get it, and if I read this script. And it's a pile of garbage. I'm going to be mad at Colin Chavarro for not knowing how to write good Star Wars content. So I'm like, well, I lose either way. And guess what happened? I lost. It was the first option that you gave. Yeah, me. it was good. It was good. It was. I mean, of course, we have to take this with a grain of salt because yeah. we don't know what actually would have made it into the end product. But the concept art and the the script plot points that went along with it i mean we're talking about going back to mortis like diving deep into the lore of the force and the sith and kylo ren like getting like mutilated and scarred by a having, sith holocron luke be an actual character have, yeah have luke have an actual point of being there and not just like uh, a 30 second clip of him uh, in the middle like, i would like to say i really don't need to see chewbacca flying the next wing they could have cut that part out what Chewbacca oh, fl- oh Chewbacca. X-wing. I don't think he would have fit. I don't think he would fit in the cockpit. <laughs> I think he could fit in the cockpit of an X-Wing. <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> yeah, that would be a little <laughs> off. Stick, Put him in the in the Falcon. That's where he belongs. Yeah. Well, I had a, in my super secret Twitter group, um, I have a friend who uh, works in the uh, entertainment industry. And he had gotten past, uh, past a copy of Trevorrow's script. Mm-hmm. And he read it and, and he had nothing but glowing wonderful things to say about and this is a guy who's a very talented writer himself so i trust his opinion on these things and so when he was telling me about the script i I was like wow this sounds so much better than what we got and i'm not a big trevorrow fan like i didn't like any of the jurassic worlds i thought that book of henry was an abomination so like so you you know i'm not quite the fanboy that alex is everybody's allowed to have a swing and a miss (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that, that's three in a row. <laughs> Not to me. That was only one. Okay, the Book okay, of Henry. Okay, thing. Okay, fair enough. But 
um, the point was is that I was genuinely surprised at how good his episode nine script sounded. Yeah. And because I, I trust the source on, on this and he says he got it from someone who knows Trevorrow. Um, I went to Alex and I was like, dude, this is legit. We got to talk about this. And Alex was like, no, <laughs> I was, a, yeah, I didn't want to be, he's not in the super secret group that we're not supposed to talk about. Well, He was, but he left. <laughs> but if he was, he probably would have had a different I, opinion. I'm, I'm so skeptical of anybody that comes up and says like, hey, I have secret information about this thing that nobody knows about. I'm like, yeah. okay. So does everybody else on Reddit. Like, I just, I'm super skeptical. Then, and then skeptical? literally the next day. Like, I, I came to you. <laughs> I know. I said, this is the <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> and, you're, and, I, and you're like, no one's cell king. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. Like I said, man, I was like, either it's going to be super awesome, which it was, and the concept art backs that up even more. Can we talk about okay? Can we talk about Ray having a dual bladed lightsaber? How freaking badass and obvious is that for her character development? You mean one that doesn't have a bottle opener and a screwdriver attached to it? <laughs> yeah, that one. Okay. I was like, I'm looking at this this concept art. She's wearing uh, an outfit that harkens back to Luke's from the Return of the Jedi with the white, you know, flap in the front, and she's yeah. got this dual bladed blue lightsaber. I'm like, she used apparently. A, I don't know if this is in the script or not, but I said, I guess somebody said that she used Luke's cracked crystal to make two different lightsabers and then put them together for a dual blade. I'm like, that is, it's so incredibly obvious that that's what you should have done with her character. I mean, she's carrying around this staff for three movies, but it just never goes anywhere. I'd heard that uh, there were actually a lot of different um, costume designs for Ray for rise of Skywalker and JJ Abrams was like, just went back to the scavenger outfit. He's like, no, I I want her to look like she didn't. Well, it's easier to make. It's just a little. It's just a little white. It's more white. She bleached it and then put it back on. Uh, Yeah, it's it's, easier for them to repaint toys than do complete new molds. But also, also (laughs) just shows how how they look at character growth, which is there is no character growth. No, there is none. She was like she was as developed as she was ever going to get in in the Force Force Awakens. Awakens. And I, you know, I still I like the Force Awakens. I still enjoy that movie uh, despite knowing where it all kind of ends up. But I I just it's hard to watch now. It is now. Yeah, I I enjoyed the the hell out of it. Phantom Menace curse. When I first saw the Phantom Menace, I was like, "This is great." And then, like, you watch it nowadays, and you're just like, "Oh my god, <laughs> so damn bad. it, man!" So bad. Yeah, it, it's rough, man. I mean, were there any? I, I really like the fact that they went back to uh, Coruscant and they had the main battle happen in the capital of the of the Republic. Yeah, that would have like, been cool. That would have been really cool. And visually, seeing that ship kind of hovering over Coruscant is like this looming presence of the First Order. Was that the one that Rose and Finn were supposed to have stolen? Or no, that they yeah, that was weird. There was like a stolen star destroyer in there somewhere, yeah, and apparently in Colin's script, Rose actually had a role to play. Oh, yeah, not just like oh, uh, let me go read some schematics. General <laughs> Leah told me to read these books. <laughs> I'll just be over here. Be doing that. <laughs> that was such a slight to her character. I'm gonna but. go uh, present some Oscar awards. Oh. Or Kelly Marie Tran deserved better. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) She's not that great of an actress. Uh, But anyway, yeah, there was like, there was some really awesome concepts in there. They, a lot of it felt like it was kind of like a a tribute to Return of the Jedi where we had um, Ray fighting that giant like Rancor type beast to try and get somewhere. I'll tell you this. So the thing that you love about Colin's work. Go ahead. Keep going. The thing that you love about Colin's work on Jurassic Park which is that he loves the fan base and he respects what the fans want. That was definitely present in his treatment of Star Wars, mm-hmm. where he seemed to understand 
what the fan base wanted in a final, you know, chapter. Yeah. And he was trying to give the fans what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's the one, the, one of the biggest things I know you criticize his writing, which is fine. It's totally legit if you want to do that. Um, but the one thing that I, is like the re- most redeeming quality uh, to be a fan of Colin Trevorrow is his respect for the fan base and being a super Jurassic Park fan. Like you can say what you want about the movies. I know they're not perfect, but neither were the other three besides the first one, I think might, might actually be perfect, but <laughs> uh, lost world wasn't perfect. I didn't particularly enjoy it that much, especially when compared to the novel. I think the novel was way better leaps and bounds better, uh, give or take a few things. And then Jurassic park three was just a mess because they didn't even have a finished well, the, script. Weren't they shooting um, the lost world as he was writing, as it? he was writing the so book. Like, yeah. Uh, it was basically, you know, they said it was based off of this book, but it, it, it really was just, wasn't. They were making it up as they went. <laughs> they have elements. There's definitely elements with, with Ian, uh, Ian Malcolm coming back. And, I, I think Harding. that Michael Crichton just gave them his outline and said, like, this is what I'm going to be Probably, writing. Probably, yeah. And then, like, he went out and wrote something way better than what Spielberg <laughs> came up with. So. Yeah, yeah. There was only one thing in the Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic Park Lost World novel that doesn't make any sense. And it's it's just a dumb, like, why didn't they bring any weapons to the island? Like, that was the only thing that happened. They went to this island. They had, like, no weapons. All they had was, like, non-lethal stuff. And they're like, why Why would you go to an island with dinosaurs and not bring any kind of, like, lethal weapons to protect yourself with? Like, that was the main criticism of the novel that people had. It was like... But other than that, the novel was, like, leaps and bounds better than, than the movie, in my opinion. Which is usually the case. Even though I love the movies now more than I did when I first saw it. And, and the same goes for Jurassic World... Or Jurassic Park 3. I didn't like that movie because it, I kind of felt disjointed and there was that like was some the one with the talking dinosaur yeah, was, <laughs> <laughs> the talking raptor yeah. uh, there was definitely problems with all these movies but you know as Jurassic Park fans we just we love them we love seeing j- dinosaurs on screen we love you know Alan Grant and Ian Malcolm and Sarah Harding and all these awesome characters and the thing that I love about Colin's work with the Jurassic World series is because he has always respected what the core heart of these books is and it's about the misuse of genetic technology and and the the hubris of humans thinking that they can play god like that those elements are in all of his movies regardless of if you think they're good or not or if they're perfect you know written they have some plot holes or whatever you want to say the heart is there and i feel like that is his main strength as a director and as a writer is that he understands the heart of whatever franchise he's working on whether it be star wars like we see with his script or if it was Jurassic world and uh you know i just and and his fan reactions on Twitter and on social media are awesome. He's always super generous. He takes criticism in stride. I think there was a post a while back where he was like, "I love it when Jurassic Park fans hold my feet to the fire because it's just them well, the con- showing them their passion." The contrast between him and, uh, and Ryan Johnson is like oh night my God, and day. Yeah, it's hundred percent night. And Ryan night. Johnson's ego doesn't allow him to take any criticism at all. Yeah, no. I mean, there was that one clip where I think it was the guy from Collider, the bald guy. Um, Hey, with, nothing wrong with being a bald guy. No, no, I'm not saying. I'm just trying to describe <laughs> him. I don't know his name. Otherwise, I would say his name. But uh, he was like, so do you think there's any any um, criticism about The Last Jedi that's legit? And Ryan Johnson's like, no. Like, what? <laughs> like, what world do you live in where you think you wrote the perfect movie? It's just bananas to me. Well, he probably hasn't even read in, or listened to any of the criticism because he just insulates himself from that stuff. I don't know. I think he... I think he Google searches his name and finds all the shit people talk. <laughs> I, I doubt it. Um, Most people I know that are that kind of egotistical, like they don't pay any attention to what other people say about it. That's quite possible. Yeah. I, I don't know the guy, so I, I wouldn't be able to say, but um, yeah, I think, I think Colin Trevorrow's script was a ton of fun. It just seemed like more fun of a movie than what we got. 
And again, we have to, I, I want to caution people to take this with a grain of salt because we really don't know what the final product would have been. It could have been a mess. They could have cut things. They could have, you know, dropped plot points that were really cool in the script and then it didn't make it to the final movie. But I think the heart of what Star Wars is and the, the use of the characters uh, like Kylo Ren and Rey and Luke specifically, like those were all way better than what we got. So here I am being bummed out that that's not what we got. So congratulations, Matt's. <laughs> <laughs> you got me to talk about this awesome script and now I'm bummed out. Uh, any thoughts, Matt, what did you think? What were your favorite moments? Did you like that 7,000 year old Sith Lord master that kind of popped out of nowhere? You didn't hear about that? I guess not. Oh man. It's just, Oh, I'm looking at the notes right here. Cause Palpatine had another master, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, a court. Uh, they were Core sn- Valum, Master of the Sith. Would have been cool. I mean, at least it would have given them something. Seven thousand years other old. than uh, you know to magically bring Palpatine back after he got and also yeah. would have eviscerated the in the of Snoke. Yeah, that's true. Had like a master puppet master behind another the puppet master above for sure. all the other ones that's been mm. around for seven thousand years. I like the fact. Okay, so in this script, um, Kylo Ren kills this dude. This 7,000-year-old Sith Lord or whatever, he says something that pisses Kylo off and he just kills him. Yeah. And I'm like, I freaking love that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> I loved it. I actually loved The only part about The Last Jedi that I thought was really cool was that Kylo Ren just offed his master. And I'm like, hell yeah, dude. Like, be the Sith. There, you know what I mean? There was also no Raylo. Yeah. yeah. It's like I'm, I'm looking at the, some of these these notes here. He was, And it, it says, like th- this would have been the ultimate Sith thing for, for Kylo. It says, Kylo's burned face. The holocron explodes and burns his face. Mandalorian armor is later smelted and applied <laughs> to his face. Permanent Mandalorian smelting on Dope. his face. Yeah, I think that would have been sick. It's important to note that uh, in Colin's script, this is the way. <laughs> in Colin's script, Kylo is not redeemed. Yeah, yeah. He basically dies the villain, and that's that's what I said. I think I don't know if I talked about it before on the podcast, but like one of the things about the Rise of Skywalker that I thought they should have done was just go full bore with Kylo being the bad guy. Like, he's set up in The Last Jedi to be the ultimate bad guy. He can't be redeemed. Luke gave up on him. So here's the thing, though. It's like, just just let him be. When J.J. Abrams made um, The Force Awakens, I think he had a very clear idea of how he wanted Kylo's arc to go. Mm-hmm. And you can see it in his final you know, scene with Han Solo uh, that there's conflict there. And so I think J.J. wanted to have this redemption arc for kylo just like vader had a redemption art because jj has no creativity um but then you had ryan johnson come in and basically his whole thing with kylo was kylo was not redeemable Mm. and when you look at colin's script you know he basically took all the stuff that ryan johnson set up and just ran with it he was like okay well this is what i have to work with so i'm not going to go against what happened whereas when jj came aboard he's like this is not what i envisioned at all so i'm just going to go back to what i did yeah in the first movie. And it it is kind of interesting to see how different their styles are in terms of like handling the material that came before them. Because mm-hmm. JJ was just dismissive of it, whereas Colin was actually taking it into account. Like he wanted Luke Skywalker to be alive in his script, but because, you know, he was killed off, he's like, okay, well I'm going to, I'm going to come up with this idea to make him a force ghost and actually incorporate him. He's going to torment Kylo yeah. throughout yeah. the whole movie. Yeah, be his yeah. his conscience, his angel on the yeah. one side and the devil on the other kind of thing. And you know that's perfectly in keeping with Luke Skywalker's character, where he he where he would kind of try to you know 
continue to save his nephew yeah as opposed to being the guy who tried to murder him in his sleep so here's my question and this is kind of conflicting with me because at the peak hatred of the last jedi about a year ago i think it died (laughs) down a little bit but at at its peak like fans hate the last jedi the the blood feud between ryan johnson and, and the fans we all were like, man, I hope J.J. Abrams just like scratches everything that The Last Jedi did and, and, and just wipes it all clean and, and reverses it or goes against it or decanonizes it or whatever you want to say. And then he did that. And we're like... To a certain point. To a did. certain extent, he did that. And we're like, okay. He didn't commit to it, though. He, he's like, yeah, that kind of sucks, though. <laughs> so, like, are we... Is it that moment of like fans being like too temperamental? Like if if Colin Trevorrow would have actually taken those elements that we hate about the Last Jedi and moved forward with them and stuck to his guns or or however you just described it uh, and followed through with those elements and gave us a better movie, would we be like, well, screw that because it validates what Ryan Johnson did in his movie? Like so, it's just kind of like a meta view of of the fandom. Like, are we? Are we only liking this? Because, I mean, it's better than what I we think, got, but I think are we... people would have probably resented the fact that, you know, that he didn't do anything to, quote-unquote, fix The Last Jedi's issues. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it's like if, if he delivered a coherent story that was consistent with what came before it and, and in retrospect made the stuff that came before it make sense, um, I think that you'd have seen a lot of the fandom accept that because... The thing that Star Wars fans want is they want, number one, respect for the source material mm-hmm. and good stories. And so, like, if you have a combination of those two things, even if what came before it was bad, you know, uh, people will accept what comes after as long as it did the... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Those two things well. And, you know, unfortunately we got what we got. Yeah. What do you think about the fandom, like, reacting to if Colin would have uh, supported what The Last Jedi did? I think the fandom would have supported it for the most part. If it was good. If it was good. Yeah. I mean, I would have. And, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan. True blood. (laughs) This, uh... This thing we got in episode nine, I, I could ask if I ever saw it again. Yeah, that's a lot of that's why even people who love the Last Jedi are saying that very thing. It's yeah, crazy. I mean, I it, it was like, it was I, cool that JJ, you know, clowned Johnson a little. With, yeah, I, I stuff, have to give know, him a little bit of props with, with, for that with the, with the Luke scene with the yeah. saber and the raising up the the the, the, the Tie Fighter and yeah. stuff or the the X Wing God. Star Wars fan. And uh, I've been a Star Wars fan since 2019. The Aluminum Falcon. Yeah, yeah the Aluminum Falcon. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we're never going to know what the true reaction would have been. Yeah. Because oh, there was some cool stuff in this script that never got made. Yeah, I would have liked is, to have seen that. There's like know, concept art from The Force Awakens of it, like it gives us something to talk about for 20 minutes on a yeah, podcast, yeah. and then you know that's it. Yeah, so. there's some really awesome concept art for The Force Awakens where like Luke is like looks like a full on samurai. He's got like yeah. the, the man bun and everything. Like we don't, you know, concept art is one thing. Seeing it in the actual movie is a completely different thing. I so. just wanted to know how Maskatana got 
Anakin's lightsaber. <laughs> Coming soon to Disney Plus yeah. someday. It's going to be a Mosca not a show. In the Kenobi series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of Colin Ferraro. What's up? What's the new title? For oh, are we, well, hold on. We got to talk about Taika Waititi. Oh. Well, I just so, figured we could get this out of the way real quick since wow. we're talking about Ouch. Colin. Ouch. Well, what is there to talk about with the, with the title? <laughs> Okay, so the Jurassic Park fandom, right? <laughs> Back to Jurassic Park? <laughs> All right. The Jurassic Park fandom on Twitter has been guessing at what the new title will be for the third Jurassic and World movie. And apparently, according to Colin Trevorrow, in that thread, somebody actually guessed the real title. I know what the title so is. So all of us super nerds went and just wait right down the rabbit hole, dug through every single title that was possible. And somebody, this is hilarious, somebody connected a <laughs> tweet that Colin did in reaction to somebody's Jurassic Park themed wedding. It was from like June or something, a couple months ago. He said, oh, how wonderful or something along those lines. It's a new era. And and then somebody took that tweet <laughs> and then found somebody in the thread that guessed the title of the new, uh, the new movie is going to be Jurassic World New Era. And they're like, connect the dots. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be New Era. So we're all us Jurassic Park fans are like, New Era is going to be the new title. We're putting money on it. You know, we're just having fun. And Collins, of course, in, in the thread, jumping in there, like making little sly comments and having fun with it too. So it's, it's a cool moment for us uh, JP fans. We're having fun with, with the possible new title. I actually, New Era isn't actually my favorite one. There was one in that thread that somebody had guessed um, that was called Chaos Theory, which I thought was just awesome because that's it's, a cool, that's it's a such cool a cool callback to. That's a, that's a way cooler title than what you <laughs> yeah. think it's going to be. Yeah. I, 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 I prefer uh, Jurassic World 3 Lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my favorite one. Uh yeah, so that that was just a quick little bit of news for the for the JP fans or, um, or Jurassic World three, fuck yeah dinosaurs, fuck yeah dinosaurs, <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> I want that to trend so bad. How, how about Jurassic World three? Oh God, not another one. <laughs> <laughs> Stay salty, my friend. <laughs> this one, this one's gonna be um. The mm. one that Colin actually wanted to make, apparently. So I think Chris Chris Pratt said at one point in time that Jurassic World Three is the is the movie that Colin wanted to make originally. But I feel like Universal wanted to kind of reestablish the brand and kind of remind everybody what the whole thing was about. So they they kind of did like a soft remake of Jurassic Park with Jurassic World. It's basically well, same plot lines all the way through. Kind of like when I was talking to you last night when we were when we were texting back and forth. I go, I feel like these Jurassic World movies are like the sequels to Jurassic. Park one. Yeah. I don't need to see two and three because those movies weren't that good in my opinion. And it was just like, oh, we're going to go to the island with some mercenaries and shoot some shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, it's just, eh, they're, they're not like decanonized or anything. They're acknowledged in, but these movies seem like I could watch Jurassic Park Mm -hmm. and go to Jurassic World and not feel like I missed anything. You actually might be right. You You could probably do that. Uh, I mean, and I, think, and I think that's why I like these movies more than the original sequels. So. There, I mean, they're a ton of fun, in my opinion. Yeah. I love them, but and uh, they the, need to stop using kids. <laughs> that's like a staple of the franchise. I know though. it's a staple, but it's a terrible one. Yeah, like it worked in the first movie, but honestly, just make all the characters adults. I just want to <laughs> see people getting eaten. eaten by dinosaurs. Fuck yeah, dinosaurs! I, that dude. scene, that scene where she like gets the 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 the, the, the nanny or whatever the hell she was. 
the chick that was like keeping care of the kids yeah. and not, you know? Yeah, that 10 minute scene of well, Yeah, where killed. she like where she like goes up in the air <laughs> with the pterodactyls oh, and they drop her and the sea guy comes up and they like chomps on God, her. God, that was that was harsh. That was, rad. That was harsh. Gratuitously <laughs> <laughs> awful scene I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> talk, talk about misogyny. <laughs> I love scenes like that. You know, the original Jurassic Park where the lawyer gets chomped on the shitter. Mm. That was awesome. It was. That's like the one scene in my head that goes, <laughs> I think about that movie. He's like, that was wild. Dude, if you like <laughs> if you like that kind of stuff, read the books. The books yeah. are freaking brutal, man. People yeah. getting gutted and intestines coming out and stuff. Yeah, it also stuff. makes you wonder why a uh, theme park would want to uh, genetically engineer uh, a super predators. predator. <laughs> well, just predators to begin with. Like, just get the, the docile herbivore they, dinosaur. They bring Listen. that up in the movie because people if, people get bored with that. If fast. Jurassic Park was people real. People want to be thrilled. And I bought a ticket to a real Jurassic Park and I didn't see a T-Rex, I would I'd want my money exactly. back. Thank really? you. So, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. Seeing living dinosaurs wouldn't be worth the ticket <laughs> price. If there's a chance to see a T-Rex, I want my money back. Or, yeah, one. or any pre- – it's the exhilaration. It's like, a, you know, a, a brontosaurus, ooh, it's an elephant with a long neck. <laughs> Big deal. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> – Okay, so so like – You just offended every paleontologist. I don't care. It's so like fun. a lot of T-Rex. So, so li- liability issues aside, why don't, why don't they make one T-Rex and then euthanize it if they want to make another predator? Yeah, Isn't that kind of what they did? They made one, right? Well, that's like going to the zoo, and they're like, well, well, well we're going to have one they, lion. They made a T-Rex, but then they made like an army of velociraptors. It was four. Like, they, it's still an army. <laughs> uh, they, they, made like, they made a whole bunch of predators at the same time. They it's made like, it's two like, Dilophosauruses, four <laughs> raptors, and a handful, like one, one T-Rex. There was two in the book, but there was well, one in the Don't forget all the ones they wanted to sell to the military. That was different. That was an Allosaurus. Uh-huh. That was different. Yeah, that's so different. Actually, no, that wasn't the military. It is different. <laughs> that wasn't the military. That was um, that was to just the highest bidder because that guy was just want, trying to make want cash. We want to weaponize dinosaurs. That's brilliant, I guess. Pretty smart. <laughs> you have dogs, right? You have weaponized dogs. But you still need someone on the ground to point a gun at the thing It's the dinosaur It's a freaking prototype, <laughs> Matt. A prototype. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I mean, we got we got armored elephants in Lord of the Rings. They only mentioned awesome. it like that was pretty awesome. <laughs> Lord of the Rings didn't have guns. They only mentioned the prototype thing like seven guns. times to really drive it home. Like, hey, this is an unfinished product, just so everybody knows. Yeah, Let me it, repeat but that. If you think about how in, ineffectual it really is compared ineffectual? to ineffectual. Is that a word? Yes. Ineffectual. I am a I am an author. I know my, my words. <laughs> I know big words. I do know big words. <laughs> and diegetic. What was that word? Were the diegetic. music diegetic music? I can offend every person with an alphabet in front of their name <laughs> with one single tweet. That is a superpower. It's Matt's you know. superpower. Anyway, what were we talking about? I don't know. We dinosaurs. Were T-Rexes. Fuck we were talking, yeah, dinosaurs. No, we were talking about the title, which we covered. Okay. So let's, yeah, the title let's could be. I think the I think the title could be a new era, or it also could be chaos theory, which I think is actually better. And my title was uh, Jurassic World Extinction because it. I don't know. It's it was back in the day for a Jurassic Park four before it was ever in production. That was the working title was Jurassic Park Extinction. Um, yeah, that's it. So we'll, we'll cover when Jurassic Park hype hits its peak in next year, oh, twenty twenty one. That's all we're talking about. It's gonna be lit. Just so you guys know, <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> just Matt's gonna quit the show. Be <laughs> so I'm done. I'll come back in a couple months, guys. Just be prepared. <laughs> I'll pull a Matt Vader. And the title it's of that stupid. episode. It's dumb. It's dumb. The title dinosaurs. of that episode is going to be Fuck Yeah, Dinosaurs. <laughs> dinosaurs. Fuck, fuck yeah. yeah. 
All right, what's our next subject? Taika Waititi, or yeah. we're moving on from Star Wars? Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. Okay, so there's a rumor from Reddit or some YouTuber, I'm sure, somewhere. It was a, it was an article, an interview <laughs> with Taika Waititi. Uh, where he said, basically, yeah, of course I'd want to do Star Wars. No, they asked him if, if he was going to be directing a Star Wars movie, and he said he was in talks. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's legit. Okay, I mean, cool. it's legit. He's definitely the, the flavor of the month right now in Hollywood, right? I mean, why wouldn't he be asked to do a Star Wars movie? Well, um, Matt, so, you're a big, you're like a fan of Taika Waititi the oh, yeah. way I am of of Colin Trevorrow. So no. why don't you take this away? No, I'm nowhere near that level. <laughs> he Taika Waititi he, is not my boyfriend. He doesn't talk to him on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> yet. Well, I mean, I, I've been a fan of Taika since I saw um, what we do in the shadows, mm-hmm. and I just I've liked everything he's done that I've seen. I think he's a very talented filmmaker. Um, I know he's getting a lot of flack for his take on Thor with Blood and Thunder. But it, that's also, you know, we have the confirmed news that Kevin Feige is making, is producing a Star Wars movie. And now that Taika is in talks to direct it, you know, I'm thinking that there's the, that connection where, you know, Kevin Feige has worked with Taika on, on two Marvel movies. Uh, Taika has gotten his feet wet with uh, the Mandalorian in the Star Wars universe. And so I think it's a natural, um, you know, thing for Kevin Feige to want him to direct his Star Wars movie. So, and I'd be excited to see Taika's uh, take on Star Wars, especially something that's not tied to anything that came before it. Yeah, it's rumored this can be like 400 years before the Phantom Menace in the in the High Republic era, which it's, hey, it sounds as, cool. As long, as long as it has Prime Yoda, I'm down. That'd be okay. Yeah, because he'd be like, happy, he'd be 400 years old ish. Yeah. yeah. Do you really want to see Prime Yoda? I do. Yoda? Really? I absolutely do. I don't. It'd be cool. I, I don't. It doesn't have to be the main character or nothing, but no, I, no, no. I want to see him. I want to see. I've him. seen. I've seen concept mm-hmm. art of like what Yoda would look like as a young, as a young, whatever. He, we don't even know his name, his species name, as a young character, as a young man, and he's like got like dreadlocks and like he looks bad. He looks badass, but I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I want, I want Prime Yoda to be like a real smartass, like, <laughs> kind of have an cocky. attitude. Yeah, be, be totally cocky. <laughs> like, it's like Will Smith Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Like nothing would, left would to you learn. Get, I have. <laughs> <laughs> would you get Frank Oz to come back and voice a young Yoda, or would you get somebody else? Uh, I don't know. I guess get Frank. Yeah, if he's available, sure. Why hmm. not? All his right. voice doesn't have to change. Really? Yeah. I would. I would change his voice. I mean, anyway. Frank Frank Oz could probably do a younger Yoda I if he, he wanted to. Could. Yeah, he's, he's got the skills. I think they should bring him back just to just for the legacy aspect well, just of it. Have the guy that does Elmo. Do <laughs> get Ahmed Best. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, no. <laughs> oh, did you hear the rumor that he's going to be in uh, yeah. Kenobi? I don't know about that one. Anyway, we have a we have a comment about Taika Waititi. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. Dude. Just- we have a comment from a Patreon. Ro commented on this Taika Waititi subject. He said, "What would a Taika?" He said, "Taiki," which is not his name. <laughs> it's Taika Waititi's Star Wars look like. I read someone's post that whoever doesn't like overt humor in their Star Wars would have a problem. I'm afraid that would be me. So, well, he doesn't like humor in anything, right? Ro? Ro. Uh, I don't know. I, uh, ask him what he thought about the season finale of Mandalorian. Yeah, that would be the best <laughs> judge on what it would be like for a that was, show. That, that, didn't mean that, people, that sounded kind of mean. I didn't mean for that to sound mean. I just, <laughs> not a lot, but some people didn't like uh, the Stormtrooper thing. They thought it was too meta, too over the top. I thought that was the best part of the episode. I thought it was, I thought it was great. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was hilarious. 
that was just me though and i understand why people are like i don't want i don't want star wars to become like marvel-esque where like every other line is like a little snarky joke to kind of cut the cut uh, is, the tension are they gonna have a crossover with his uh rock creature with korg with korg yeah <laughs> i cool. doubt it hey man <laughs> we'll play yeah, xbox dude. Yeah, so many. Hey, Thor! That guy's coming back again. <laughs> no, well, that I, guy's got a laser sword. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know, man. It's it. I think Taika, in my opinion, I think Taika has the ability to to kind of like ride the line of being dramatic and humorous at the same time, and it kind of works for me personally. I think it works. I mean, Jojo Rabbit. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard amazing things about really that good movie. movie. Um, we've got, uh, hunt for the wilder people, which was a kind of like a drama, but it had a little bit of comedy in there, just kind of situational comedy, not like purposeful. And then, you know, we got Thor, I think Thor three Ragnarok is arguably the best Thor movie. Um, I had a ton you of, know, fun even if one. you look at his straight up comedies, like the, what we do in the shadows, not only the movie, but the TV show, like there are like genuinely emotional and, and, mm-hmm. um, dramatic aspects to those things, which work really well also. So he, he's definitely a, a skilled filmmaker who knows uh, his craft. Like he knows how to make stuff funny, and he also knows how to make stuff poignant and dramatic when when he wants to. And that's the that's the uh, hallmarks of a of a great filmmaker storyteller. I've I've always been uh, kind of bullish on on Taika Waititi, even though there are a lot of you know fandom menace people out there who don't like him. But you, you know, to me, he always seems like the type of guy who doesn't care about politics, and he just likes riling up people who do mm-hmm. what do you think about his trolling on twitter do you think that's going to be a, a bad issue with star wars fans because he well, does it already like, is yeah but, I, I think it's dumb but his, his trolling on twitter is, is hilarious i know that's whereas, what, that's where, what's better yeah as opposed to uh, ryan johnson's which is just mean-spirited yeah um, i think well i mean people might think that he's mean-spirited i mean i see tw- i see comments about it like oh he's just as bad as ryan johnson with the last other i'm like no he's not he's not i don't not see even that close way. I think he's just having fun and he likes to poke fun at people, which is his personality. I mean, in the end, it's Twitter. Yeah, yeah, that too. People people so. lose track of that. Um, I, I guess that's it, right? You're down for it? Taika Waititi Star Wars? Totally. You're down for it? For sure. I'm down for it. The rest of the world can screw off. No. <laughs> Salty Nerd Podcast endorsed. Yes. <laughs> Boom. Put the stamp on that. Um, all right. So we're at an hour and 20 minutes already. So right. for this not to be a two hour long podcast, let's blaze through uh, Outsider and Avenue 5 recap. Um, Outsiders episode four. Yep. Um, is a lot of lore building. Mm-hmm. I really like the rabbit hole that they went down with the El Coco uh, mythology of like the Spanish, you know, the boogeyman kind of thing. Uh, and and I googled those same pictures that the the detective was looking at. It, it led me down. It's awesome, freaking rabbit hole. I love it. I was having so much fun. Um, so show. I'm really enjoying where the show's going. Uh, you mentioned something about it being kind of slow this episode. I was I was bored. You were a little bored. Yeah. I can see that these these last two episodes I feel like have been a lot of setup for yeah. something big that's going to happen pretty soon. Hopefully soon. Well, it's a lot of investigation. Yeah. I, so what was about an hour long, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the first. 55 minutes of the episode <laughs> I was bored I was like filling around on my phone and then finally they start going down the lore what this thing is mm-hmm. and I was a little more intrigued it's like okay I guess I'll watch the next one now how so <laughs> how weird was it when the lady turned around and sprayed the uh, pepper sprayed the girl the investigator yeah. <laughs> I was like oh my eyes I'm blind <laughs> yeah. oh god and then she just gets yeah. up and is like yeah I'm alright <laughs> she goes and has coffee with the lady not how it works <laughs> I'm like that's so weird <laughs> 
Their face wasn't all swollen. People that get direct hit in the eyeballs with that stuff, you're done yeah, for you're, a couple hours. Yeah, man. you're out of the commission. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's the only part of the show that took me out of it. I was like, that's not how that works. But anyway, what do you think of this episode, Matt? I really liked it. Yeah, I've liked every episode so far. I mean, uh, you had a lot of really good investigation in this episode, and you also had a lot of good revelations that kind of set up stuff for future episodes and i just thought you know another great entry into the yeah. outsider i'm really enjoying this detective that they introduced uh this i can't remember her name but the the lady who's doing all this investigating i like how, how this, this kind of open-minded she is this episode was very much centered on her yeah, yeah. Well, she's like the main character of this one for sure yeah, yeah. for sure I, I i liked her i liked how open-minded she was how she was kind of like diving into the, all this and she never she never once seemed like something was unbelievable to her. Like you kind of get that impression from, from uh, what's this, Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. His character, you can kind of get like, he doesn't believe in this stuff. Yeah. He's kind of confused by it, but this new detective that they introduced, yeah. but you, you had the kid who stole the car who comes in and he gives a, a, a drawn description of the outsider, which is the messed up face. Yeah. yeah. And you also have Ben Mendelsohn finding out who the outsider is now turning into who he scratched and is, is now taking the appearance of. So those were two really the, big. The, the, the strip club, the strip club owner, guy, right? yeah. yeah. Is so, he the owner or is he just a worker? I, I think he's the manager. Manager, yeah. But uh, those were two very big revelations in this episode. <laughs> Dude, how nasty are those strippers at that freaking place? <laughs> pretty realistic <laughs> this pretty yeah. yeah small some small town in ohio yeah. or something i'm like it kind of reminds me of the rough. place no like, offense from, to ohio where i'm from you know it's like <laughs> there was there was a strip club up there where we used to go to i went in it a couple times with some friends and it's like you look up there and there's like this girl you went to high school with <laughs> yeah. and it's like oh god and then there's like you're like a, a friend's mom or something, and you're like yeah. Ben Mendelsohn even said, "I gotta get out of here." Yeah. He's, he's like, "See that girl? I went to high school with her dad." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so true, man. It's, it's weird. That was a pretty funny moment. This episode, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I like this. Uh, I like this episode. It was a little slow, I, I'll admit, um, but I, I was kind of like I was intrigued by the investigation, and I really loved where they ended up. With I also think this is an episode where if you were to go back after the season's done and watch it all the way through, yeah, that it wouldn't seem as slow as it did. Mm-hmm. I think the week to week stuff makes it feel slower, um, but if you were to watch it in concert with the stuff that came before and the stuff that comes after, it would just kind of flow naturally. I yeah. think. And uh, next up on HBO's list is Avenue Five. Matt, you didn't like this episode. No, I'm, <laughs> or you didn't even uh, watch. I it. didn't even watch it. I'm, like, I'm going to watch Larry David. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, what is that? Curve your enthusiasm. Curb, yeah, I've never new, seen a single episode new, of that no, show. You need to start. It's great. Is it like Seinfeld it's, level great? Way better. Way better than Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's it's R rated Seinfeld. Oh, okay. For sure, it's fantastic. I know it's been I've super never, popular. I've never been a big fan of it. Oh, you don't like Larry David? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like sometimes he does good stuff and other times not so much it's, it's, like it's it's so it, absurd it's, it's, it, it really is it's a very uncomfortable show to watch okay <laughs> like, like that's the whole humor is how uncomfortable every scene is okay. yeah. with him i'll give it a shot i'll take i'll take a look at it um w- all right. w- watch the uh, watch the season where they're doing the broadway version of the producers okay that was the best season of uh, curb in my opinion okay i'll find out what it is um my opinion on the ne- this next episode episode two of uh avenue five um i'm on the fence i'm like you dude i'm like <laughs> this show is better better kick it into high gear or i'm not gonna watch it anymore because this episode had again like the like the season premiere it had some funny moments but a lot of it was a swing and a miss for me and the the premise of the show is just not keeping me engaged like i 
as much as the people on this ship don't want to spend time together, yeah. I don't want to spend time watching them together. Like kinda, it just, it's not fun anymore. <laughs> it's like, I, I, cause this is from the same people that made Veep. Yeah. I watched one episode of Veep when it first started and I never watched another yeah. one. Yeah. So what you guys are, are going through is like what I went through when I first started watching Veep. Like it's, it feels like it's not a good show. But the deeper you get into it, the better it gets, especially once you understand who the characters are. And I feel like Avenue 5 is kind of going through the same same thing. Um, I thought this episode was great. Um, the, the whole thing about the, cor- the, corpses, the corpses orbiting, orbiting the, ship. the ship, I thought was just fantastic. <laughs> and, and you know what? Uh, I, I think what's throwing a lot of people is that it's not a, a, a straight-out comedy. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is kind of dramatic in a lot of places. And the comedic bits are just thrown in there and, and kind of almost feel out of place. But I mean, like the part where, uh, you know, Judd get, gets on the horn with NASA and tells him to suck it, you know, because they're like, we're going to be home in six weeks. <laughs> and, and NASA's like, okay, well, F you. Yeah. And, and, and like, everybody's like, don't do this. Yes, don't piss off NASA. <laughs> I, I mean, like everything about this show uh, reeks of the first season of Veep to me. And I did not like the first season of Veep. But the deeper I got into it, and I think the more comfortable the writers got with the, the premise and the actors and knowing how to play to their strengths and stuff like that, the better the show got. And so by the later seasons of Veep, it was like one of the best shows on HBO, in my opinion. And I feel like Avenue 5 is kind of going through the same growing pains. And so I'm willing to give it, you know, a couple seasons to kind of find its footing. And and I'll I'll probably end up watching the episode later on this week. I just... Yeah. I've just had a hard time. It, it might be better for you guys to wait until the season's over and then just, just binge, binge it. it. Could be, you yeah. know, so you can see like everything at once. Because I think week to week, because it's a half hour and like it, it's a totally new premise, um, I, I think that they're kind of struggling to communicate what the show really is. I mean, like the whole thing about like the thirty-second delay uh, in communication. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's so many jokes they can do with that. Uh, it's really good. Fix yeah, that's, it. I need that's to fix what I'm the thirty do. second delay. You can't fix the thirty second delay. Get somebody on it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It does. It does have its moments. It's got some charm. And like I said, I love Hugh Laurie, so I'll probably keep watching it. But I'm not. I'm kind of like, eh, I'm just watching it because I feel kind of obligated to. That's the only real. Well, I'm really enjoying it. That's I'm good. going to wait and binge it, like Matt said. Okay. I think I'm going to try that approach this time. And I normally don't like binge shows. Yeah. But maybe, maybe this is at least exception. like maybe two, three episodes at a time yeah. instead of just one because yeah. they're only half an hour. So it wouldn't take long to, to binge that season. All right. Um, last but not least, let's start getting nerdy with some Trek. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be another hour long conversation. It might be. <laughs> I, I got to go to work pretty soon. It can't be that long. Um, all right. So Picard no episode comment. one, <laughs> the season premiere of the of the much anticipated. You realize we're like a week behind when this comes out, season two is going to episode two is going to be up. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, but who cares? Because the people listening to it, they'll, they'll be like, "Oh, I've already seen the episode. I want to hear what these guys have." To All say right, about. that's true. <laughs> and All the right. people who haven't seen it yet are going to be like, "Spoiler alert!" Um, I don't know. I'm not. I don't care about spoilers. Neither now. do I. If anybody listens to this it's podcast, week, guys. cares about spoilers. <laughs> like, I don't know. Nobody cares about spoilers anymore. Um, it was it was all right. I, I thought it was okay. I liked seeing Sir Patrick Stewart back. Uh, the setup for the show and the premise of it uh, is intriguing. I like that they're bringing this whole uh, this this data coming back from the dead kind of a thing element going with his daughter. 
it was it was all right. It got me interested in what the story is going to be. It wasn't perfect. There were some odd moments. I think we were talking about earlier uh, with the the young girl Dodge 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 Dodge. Dodge. Um, she Dodge, was Dodge Badage. I felt like it, not necessarily the I, writing of the dialogue, but just her delivery of it seemed a little stiff. So I don't know if she's like a new actress or something like that. But I just I was kind of like, man, eh. she definitely wasn't as polished as somebody like Sir Patrick Stewart. So I think that's why it was so noticeable. Um, but I, I, I really liked, okay. So the, the biggest thing that I liked about this was in one episode, they had to catch us up on 20 years of what had happened, why Picard was in the situation that he was in. And instead of doing some like kind of like weird dialogue dump between him and somebody, uh, that he was friends with, they set up this whole interview thing where, where, uh, the Fox news network <laughs> comes to his house and does an interview with Picard Federation, the Federation network. news. FNN they came to his house and they did an interview as as part of like an homage to his it was like 10 year anniversary of, of or 20 year anniversary or 20 year anniversary of, of the, the supernova supernova so I felt like I that so old. I felt like that was a clever way of of catching the audience up on what had happened and what the show was going to be about I, I enjoyed that aspect of it and I liked how the the reporter was just a total piece of shit <laughs> and like reneged it's on like, their deal. Oh, I got you, old man. Yeah, I was like, oh man, they're really going for this whole like negative reporter aspect thing. I thought that was well, pretty funny. That whole scene was probably the best scene in the episode yeah. because that that felt like the most vintage Picard, where she's like, you know, she's like Romulan lives, and he's like, no, just lives. lives. Yeah, it I was. Mean, a, I mean, that that's vintage Picard. You know, at yeah. least like, it, it served his purpose and got us caught up on what was supposed to be going on, and even though none of it made sense. <laughs> Here we go. Poopy Pants McGrath over here. <laughs> Why don't you describe what your feelings are on this episode as quickly as you can? Yes, I mean, Lord Incel. Tell, we're us, at, tell us what's going on. Cool. King Incel. King Incel. Get it right, peasant. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, I, I enjoyed the episode. Like all the stuff with Picard on screen was, was you know, pretty solid. It's just nice seeing Patrick Stewart playing the character again. For sure. Um, but I felt like everything with Dodge was just a mess. And none of it made sense. The writing, you could tell that this thing was reshot to, to crap um, 12, 12 times over simply because the the writing for the show is so uneven. And you can tell that a lot of the people writing for this didn't seem to understand Star Trek or science or basic <laughs> physics. You know, <laughs> the power of math, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, you know, the whole carryover stuff from like the J.J. Abrams decisions from the movies, you know, that stuff didn't make any inherent sense. So like, of course, just this, to, you're talking about the supernova, like happening yeah. suddenly. Yeah. Like, like supernovas don't just happen. Yeah. Well, you know? th- this, this supernova didn't just happen either. They, they knew it was coming. That's why they had time to build a fleet. But they had a yellow sun. Like typically you know, supernovas so. happen over the course of billions of years and they happen when a red giant, I yeah, you know, explodes. But, you know, TV show. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't have a show. <laughs> uh, well, well, hold on a sec, because Star Trek has always been, you know, kind of almost hard science fiction in the sense that the, the fan base appreciates it be handling scientific uh, matters very realistically. This is true. Yeah. And so when J.J. Abrams took over, he, he you know, we know J.J. Abrams, he's like, fuck that shit, you know, <laughs> and he's just like, I'm going to do what I want to do, even though it, it doesn't make any sense. So you're basically insulting the hardcore Star Trek fan base. I, I don't know by ignoring I science. I mean, they've always been loosely based on some actual 
scientific but theories and things for sure. There, there are know? basic writing tools that you can utilize to make this make sense. Like you could say, we don't know why the Romulan star, which is a yellow um, giant, suddenly went supernova. Uh, we'll probably never know, but it did. It was a weird thing that it, happened. We still might get that, though. That's That was my point when we were talking online. I'm like, there was only one episode. I'm not dealing with what we might get because I have no... I mean, like, if you look at Discovery, they did the same crap where they yeah. just completely ignored science. So I think, I'm just dealing with what we did get. I, I think but, Star Trek fans in particular have a hard time dealing with stuff like this because they want to have an answer for everything. Leaving all that aside though, leaving all the science irregular inconsistencies aside. Okay. Um, There were two things about this episode that just drove me up the wall. The first was that it seems to negate the primary theme of Star Trek, which is a a hopeful vision of humanity where they basically relegate the, um, the Federation into like this xenophobic organization that is closed off and doesn't want to help people and kind of abandoning the mission of, you know, the betterment of, of all species. I mean, it's kind of like the United Nations suddenly saying like, oh, uh, we, we don't like any other countries. You know, like it just doesn't make sense because there's the Federation is made up of so many different species that the idea that it suddenly becomes xenophobic doesn't make any sense. And they've made peace with other enemies in the past so why are why is there all this pre- prejudice against the Romulans? Like none of that I, made sense to me. I, I really don't have an issue with that for the for a most part because you know Trek. This isn't the first time Star Trek has dabbled with that theme. Star Trek: Six to Undiscovered Country. The whole opening scene of that was about Starfleet contemplating opening up a dialogue with uh, but, Klingons but, but you because the same thing happened, their home world you, or whatever. You literally had up. the Federation and, agreeing to help evacuate the Romulan homeworld, uh-huh. And then because they're attacked by um, synthetics. synthetics, they cancel that, that plan. And then, so Picard has to go rogue and try to organize this last minute fleet. The, Dun- go, the Dunkirk, the Dunkirk um, brigade mm-hmm. to try to save as many Romulans as they can before this thing goes supernova. And so like none of this makes sense, especially from the perspective of a longtime Star Trek fan who who has seen the ideals of the Federation. And like the whole theme of, of Star Trek that I think has made it stand the test of time is this hopeful vision of humanity where we can get past prejudices, we can get past, you know, uh, pettiness and, and stuff like that and, and look at things from a more pure and optimistic and hopeful standpoint. I feel like Kurtzman Trek has just chucked that theme out. The well, yeah, because yeah, the, the people who are writing this show are living in this world and are obviously lean in one particular direction politically. And it's, it's, what, it's what is it? They call it Trump derangement syndrome or something like that, mm-hmm. where it's like, it's just all encompassing. Everything you do has to have this backhanded slap at President Donald Trump. Like that's just how their mind works. So they, they are injecting this kind of mentality into these shows and it's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way because that's not what Star Trek used to be. It used to be pretty. I mean, they did dabble in a lot of situations, like Matt mentioned. Like, there's you know, always Star just, Trek. Go ahead. I just, I literally just watched an episode of DS9 two days ago, and I don't remember it's first or second season. And oh, it was the first episode of the Maquis arc. Mm. Okay, and Cisco literally has a speech where he says, "You know, the Federation back on Earth." They live in this world where there's no poverty. There's no need for money. Everything's perfect. But that's not the real world. Hmm. That's not how people out 
side of planet Earth live. And, you know, the, the and, and to me, the whole concept of the Federation and their their perfect little world, I think that needs to be dabbled with and, and tweaked sometimes, needs to be looked at in, in some different ways. So I, I don't really have a problem with this approach. I mean, yeah, I mean, Picard or Patrick Stewart's all, this is our answer to Brexit, and yeah. to Trump derangement syndrome and all this kind of stuff. It doesn't bug me a whole lot because I feel like this is just an ongoing theme that's been touched on before and it's going to be touched on again. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like nothing's perfect. And, and the, 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 the weird socialist, everybody's kumbaya world of Star Trek, the, the Roddenberry world, it's, it's, it's a nice pipe dream. It's not real. Well, that was, and, kind I, of and I don't think it's ever going to be real. That was kind because of because humans, though, right? human beings are human beings, yeah. you know, and the, the whole, and, the whole, the idea of it is that we, yeah. we rose above that mentality and we're yeah. like, no, we're better than that. We're going to strive to be right. better than that. I mean, the whole first episode of the next generation, it was the trial of humanity. And yeah, if you correct. listen to Picard's defense in that, like that's, that encapsulates what Star Trek is supposed to be. Yeah. But I, more, I, more so than just abandoning the theme outright. It was just the bad writing in this episode. Like, <laughs> like everything when it came to Dodge was just terribly it was, done. It was very from, from a it was uh, from a structural perspective, from a dialogue perspective. Like when she shows up at Picard's vineyard and and she and she's like, "I just killed four people," and and he's like, "Have some tea, <laughs> I, 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 security." Yeah, I, I mean, like she she comes off like a homeless crazy person, crazy person at the front door, talking yeah, about sure. like how like lightning's seeking the ground and stuff. Yeah. And, and and Picard's first instinct, because the plot tells him she's okay, is, "Hey, why don't no, you stay was, here?" It was number one. His dog was like, "If if number one didn't like you, then I'd kick you out." Yeah. I mean, that was the justification they used, but like. Every time she had a conversation with Picard, she made absolutely no sense whatsoever. And the like, it j- just okay. So I know that we don't have time to get into this, but there, <laughs> we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> there's there's this thing Some, called called narrative congruence, or um, are we going to school now? Like, like yes, okay. <laughs> Kadish's school of script writing. Here yeah. we go. Here so, we go. So, so so there's this thing <laughs> called narrative continuity, uh, in the sense that you have three different types of continuity that audiences are putting or filtering. Uh, uh, a TV show or movie through constantly, and that's external uh, genre and internal continuity. And so, you know, the external continuity is about how we know real life works, which is why, like, you know, a star going supernova just out of the blue doesn't make any sense because we know that in actual science, there's a, this billion year process for that to happen. Then there's the genre continuity where it's like staples of the genre that we've come to accept. Like Star Trek is its own genre now. So it's like warp drive. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, we get that. Uh, positronic neurons. Okay, we get that. Um, and <laughs> Made up science stuff. Well, some of us get that. <laughs> and then there, there's internal continuity, which is just the internal logic of the story itself. And so whenever we're, we watch something, whether we know it or not, we put it through these, these three different filters to, and it, it's basically these three th- filters combine to create the narrative logic of the story that we're watching. And when that logic is violated in some way, shape or form, our suspension of disbelief halts and we're taken out of the movie or, or the story that we're watching. And so if you look at what happens with Dodge, so she's attacked by three men in her apartment who end up killing her boyfriend. And all of a sudden she's on the run. But if you think about it from a logical perspective, it's like, what would you do if you were just attacked in, in your home and you defeated the attackers and someone you love died? You would call the police, right? 
you wouldn't suddenly go on the lam thinking that you're being hunted. You would think it was just a random incident. If she was a normal person, yes. But she had that that awakening moment, that click where her, her programming <laughs> told her to go find Picard. So I think it was more, it was less of like, oh, I need to do this because this is the well, well, what you're, you're socially assume, normal you're is. You're assuming that the programming told her to find Picard. She just well, had no, a vision they, of him. She didn't know what his name was. Well, she, she said it, she though. She said, I, for whatever reason, I, I needed to come and find you. Like, well, that was one, part of the dialogue. One, once she saw him on TV, yes, that became true. But before that, she didn't know who he was. She just had this vision of him. But the, the whole idea that, um, so like, you would think that the first thing she would do if she did feel she was in danger and she had to go on the lam would be to call her parents. And that scene came after yep. she went and found Picard accepted his his uh, safety, you know, his offer of safety, and then ran away from it. Like, like from a narrative standpoint, like, she goes, she finds him, uh, he takes her in, she leaves, and then she comes back, and, and it makes no sense from a narrative writing perspective. Usually, the way these things work is, you know, she'd go, she'd, the, the correct way that this should have worked uh, from a writing perspective <laughs> was that she, she goes, she seeks out Picard. I love it. I love it when you do this. Yeah. this is awesome. She seeks out Picard. Picard refuses her. She, he thinks he, she's crazy. Then in the process of refusing her, something happens that changes his mind. Like maybe she gets attacked at the vineyard. And so he realizes she's in danger and he wants to help her. But now she's on the run. And so he has to go seek her out because he feels guilty for rejecting her. And then he eventually catches up with her, you know, in San Francisco or whatever, and convinces her that he wants to help her. And so like that is narratively from a writing perspective. So, so here's, here's my question. So Matt just fixed the whole script mm -hmm. in 30 seconds. Yeah. Why are these people that are being paid to write this show and produce this show? Why can't they figure this out? Well, you mentioned it's, it's it felt like it was reshot. Yeah, I think what so, happened is they originally had it a certain way. Maybe I, it, like, like for instance, that fight on the uh, on the rooftop mm -hmm. towards the end. They had to have that in there because that was their big set piece. Mm -hmm. So th when they had to go back and do reshoots, they had to figure out a way to keep that in there, but still you know, um, lead up to it in a way that somewhat made sense. Yeah. And like, like I, I told you guys, like if you're not thinking about this stuff too hard, especially from a, a narrative perspective, the show probably flows just fine. Yeah. But this is stuff that to me, like when I'm watching it, it completely takes me out of the, out of the story because it's just so poorly done from so a bit, craft perspective. But you're special. <laughs> no, you, he's you, a, no, I'm serious. He can't help but look at a show like this and not let his brain pick it apart. Mm -hmm. I, my for, wife, for, for me, I got to do that on the second viewing because the first viewing I watched this show, I liked it. Mm -hmm. it. It was great. I, I had a good time with it. I go, all right, we got some cool Star Trek again. The second time through, it's like I lowered my score a little bit because the stuff with Dodge was kind of clunky and it didn't make a lot of sense. But most people out there don't have Kadish's brain. Yeah. And they're not going to care about why she why 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 can she jump 50 yards or or what's a positronic neuron you know the hardcore trekkies are gonna not like that stuff they're gonna or, or they will maybe I, I don't know but you know there's there's way more people that's watching this show that than just than just, just digest it and like move me. on yeah you know so but but yeah i get what you're saying i, I mean it, come, I it comes totally down understand. to the kurtzman era just lack of talent in the writer's room mm -hmm. like we've we saw it with two seasons of discovery where you know like 
as soon as I turned off my critical brain, I was like, this is going to be stupid. So I'm just going to sit back and watch it and, and take what comes. Like I enjoyed it a lot more because I knew how bad it was. And with Picard, like I said, on my first viewing, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I knew there were problems with it, but like I wasn't too critical. And upon further viewing the, you know, the flaws in this just popped out at me and it really comes down to the chaos that has been going on in the Kurtzman writer's room mm -hmm. for these series. And it, I feel like he's Kathleen Kennedy light. In, in that sense, where, where he just doesn't know how to put together a good group of writers to tell a good story. And especially like when I got CBS All Access to watch Picard, I also started watching this other show on CBS All Access called Evil, which is by the uh, um, creators of The Good Wife and uh, Brain Dead, which was a fantastic show. And it's also got Rockney S. O'Bannon, who did Farscape, involved in it. And that show, compared to Picard in terms of writing, is like night and day. Because the writing on Evil was so good and so well done that, you know, it just made me um, even more critical of Picard because, you know, I had something to contrast it up against on the exact same network. Yeah. You know, so I just feel like we're going to get more of the bad writing on Picard coming down the line, but the nostalgia and Patrick Stewart kind of saves it. Yeah. It's quite possible. I was like, there was definitely some nostalgia bugs going on oh, in my yeah. brain. And, you know, this... I don't, I try not to judge series on first episodes, unlike, you know, Avenue 5, which I was like, eh. But, uh, you know, there's not a single piece of Star Trek out there that I haven't seen. I'm not going to not watch this show. Mm -hmm. This, this, they've got me, whether they want me or not. And good or bad, just like Discovery, terrible show. I'm still going to watch every episode. They've got you, whether you want to or not. Yeah, they, they do. <laughs> That's very true. But, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to what we do. I want to see, I want to see the callbacks. I want to see before this run is done. I want to see cameos, at least by everybody that's in that old show. I want yeah. to see Crusher. Right. I want to see the forge. I want to see, I want to see people that are on the other shows. I want to see Dax or, 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 <laughs> you know, or, or, uh, you know, Odo's dead now, but, um, you know, let's make it a fun Star Trek. Make it, make it a, a show for us. Guys that grew up in the, the 80s and the 90s yeah. that watched Star Trek back then, give us our show. I think, it has, I think it definitely has potential. I, I hope, like, Katie just makes some solid points, of course, yeah. as he always does. I'm just, I hope that they, they tighten the belt a little bit and, and get their game on and, uh, and write something that's really, really fun. But Because they have, they have the DNA. They have yeah. the ingredients that they need to make this amazing. And it's like, so it's like I, I hear a lot of people saying, it's like, well, it doesn't look like Star Trek. It's like... It's twenty years it's later. It's twenty years later. Yeah, that's, no, that that's what the Orville's for. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> you know, if you if you want cardboard sets and you know doors that are opening by guys in the walls and shit, you know, watch the Orville, and that's a great show too. I love the Orville. Yeah, but this is this is new era Star Trek, and you know, I, I like that they've upped their production value a little bit, even if the scripts aren't that great yet. Yeah, the but, whole the whole thing was shot in um, in widescreen too. Yeah. It looked good. It's a pretty show. About two hours. Uh, we have one patron question from Nick. We got to get in real quick. Just one answer. We're not have to go deep into it. He says, with me listening to the soundtrack show, shout out to David W. Collins. The soundtrack show? The soundtrack show. Okay. The soundtrack show with David W. Collins <laughs> has been thinking of my favorite movie orchestral themes. My favorites are Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, and Star Trek. I regularly put them on when not listening to a podcast. What are your favorites? Kadish, what's your favorite uh, movie theme? Or Go. Gosh, I'm one of those people who I don't pay attention to the music or sound design in any of the shows or movies that I really like. I guess like 
themes that stuck with me the most uh back to the future theme it's really iconic um the mandalorian theme really grew on me it did grow on yeah you. on me too um yeah. i mean you know i mean it's 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 music is what it is i'll, I'll just say like all the great ones <laughs> all the ones he just listed <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> what about you matt um he listed all the good ones there um indiana jones is always going to be up there at the top of my list yeah you know that's that's actually my number one movie of all time above star wars is raiders of the lost ark oh it's it's it's, it's the best movie ever it's made. the best movie ever made um you know i think about stuff that's not on that list though and and two two different things one of them might have been on there um the game of thrones music oh yeah i can just turn on the game of thrones channel on spotify and and i'm really getting into it and weirdly enough i really liked the the music from the bear mccreary did on um the battlestar galactica series that sci-fi mm-hmm. put out that was yeah. some really cool different it's very different but but i enjoyed that stuff and i'll, it's I'll say really this, set the mood there are a lot of talented orchestral mu- yeah. uh, musicians out there on youtube like uh, i stumbled upon this uh this Scandinavian uh, musician who's um, in talks to license one of his songs for my audiobooks, and his stuff is just phenomenal. And it's all just recorded on the computer mm-hmm. and stuff. So like, there, there's so much talent out there that we have access to that you know before you needed like a full orchestra and stuff. Now you just need loops for you know audio editing and mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, really gives a lot of people some creativity to go out and make some really cool stuff. I'll say my favorite uh, is got to be indiana jones and i think that that theme can be stuck in my head all day and i'll I'll never be mad about it um and then uh john williams i mean pretty much anything john williams does uh whether it's superman or jurassic park or or whatever it's all up there good i like that you just mentioned game of thrones that's something that uh, that show excelled at uh that that beginning music dun 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 like that's i went to the uh to the the show here in Vegas when they mm-hmm. came, the orchestra came and they did the the whole the whole show and with the music and with the the lights and the screens in the back. I mean, it was awesome. It was so much fun, and yeah. uh, I, I really enjoyed all the music that that came that came from that show. Two and just just really time. quick though, if if you're into the 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 orchestra, the soundtracks kind of stuff, check out the video game world. Mm. There are some epic musical scores out there for some of these games. World of Warcraft is amazing. Really, it's got an incredible score. Huh. You know, uh, Call of Duty I think is a, is a good one. Um, but yeah, just there's all kinds of stuff out there in that vein and genre that that are really good. Right on. Yeah, so. the, even like the trailers for video games, like mm-hmm. Two Steps from Hell, which is the orchestral band that does all those trailer music things. Like they have some amazing stuff. Yep. Cool. Good shout outs, guys. Uh, if you guys are interested in listening more about the inner workings of uh, John Williams and his work with all these iconic movies, go check out the Shan- soundtrack show with David W. Collins. Soundtrack show. It will soundtrack make show. it will make a grown man cry. I, I've teared up almost every single episode, whether it was Star Wars or Indiana Jones or Back to the Future. When he breaks down the music and you hear it, and he's talking about what it means and the behind the scenes uh, reasons why this music speaks to us. Uh, it's incredible. So uh, I, I, he's doing the Lord's work. Go listen to his podcast. And that's it for us today. That's our two hour long podcast. I think we picked too many subjects. Um, no. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Do you want to do um, 
Shout outs for your Twitters. At Matt Vader 74. At Matthew Kadish. Hey, Alex. Yes. Where can I get some really great body scrub? <laughs> you can go to organicallywonderful.com and uh, type in salty15 at the checkout counter to get 15% off your purchase. Uh, we just had somebody on Instagram do a big shout out for us and we got like a ton of sales. My wife's phone was blowing up every couple of minutes with, with people buying stuff. So jump the wave, jump on that wave and uh, get your 15% off. It lets her know that people listen to this podcast and uh, you can get something cool. You can also go to Teespring slash Salty Nerd Podcast uh, to get some of our merchandise. We've got stickers, we've got mugs, we've got t-shirts all kinds of cool stuff there and uh, we would love to have you guys support the channel by wearing some of our stuff or becoming a patron and becoming a patron yes, send in pictures of you wearing the shirts or on wearing Twitter, your stickers yeah, at yeah for sure it. and get a, get a follow from me and the salty nerd crew if you Absolutely. guys do that uh, you will get an instant uh, yes. twitter follow all, all patrons get access to our super secret our super secret <laughs> twitter uh, group. the league of extraordinary gentlemen and ladies i might swear a little bit more on there <laughs> yeah. oh yeah you guys get some awesome exclusive content if you're a patron we do the, <laughs> <laughs> the lost episode where we all got too drunk to do a podcast i can i can listen to it <laughs> you couldn't listen no. to it oh dude it was so I funny listen. i can already <laughs> listen to this episode jude and i listened to it, it was phenomenal. <laughs> it was I, I was like if every episode was like this we'd be at the top of itunes <laughs> i hate my voice on the internet it sounds oh, you barely said anything it was so because I sat there with yeah, my head, you're trying with not my to look eyes at my girlfriend's breasts because, because dude's boobs are just laying on the table. And I'm like, God Almighty! If you want access to that episode, go to Patreon.com/slash/SaltyNerdPodcast. Give us a dollar. It's all it is is one dollar. You can cancel it after a month. I don't care. You can get all of that exclusive content. You can get early show notes and and uh, some free stickers and stuff. So. Uh, go do that if you want to support the podcast and thank you all for listening to our ramblings about these pop culture icon uh, movies and film and Kadish taking you to film school for 20 minutes (laughs) that's what we do Uh, thanks guys and have a great day oops